Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. I accept this. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. How are the public schools in Imaginary Wonderland? With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. There's a lot of needs not being met. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. It bothers me because everything bothers me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And before we even start, you guys, we do have a new YouTube channel, and we are really enjoying making the videos that we're making each week to get us through this crazy time. And we want to make sure that if you haven't already subscribed yet, that you check us out. Go to YouTube. Just search What Fresh Hell Podcast on YouTube. Or you could just go to whatfreshhellpodcast.com and click the link in the sidebar. It'll take you right to our YouTube page. And either way, please subscribe because it will really help us know you're out there and keep making good videos. Subscribe. And with that, guys, today we are talking about hitting the wall. This was a turning point this week. I think, I don't know. I felt like there was a collective, like, remember the collective Tom Hanks has COVID? Like, it was still called the coronavirus back then, I guess. Tom Hanks has coronavirus. And we all like just had this collective, oh no. And I feel like just very recently, there's been another like, we're still here. Yeah. This is not going the right way. And we are going to be here for a while. I have had that conversation a dozen times in the last week. Yeah. I mean, definitely it's been like a slow moving train wreck in that way. And in some ways, I keep saying, thank goodness it was that way because my kids and myself could not have handled this level of information day one. Like, oh, by the way, you may be doing Christmas on Zoom. Like, we haven't even gotten there yet, but you know what I mean? Like, when we did it, we were thinking in the beginning, our schools were only canceled for two weeks the day we first got the news that this was happening. And, you know, my son had tickets to a hockey game. My daughter's play was going to be postponed. And even that was hard for them. But if the scope of it had been seen like, oh, and by the way, we're not traveling. There's no camp. We're not going to Texas this summer. We're not going anywhere. You know, I'm glad I didn't know. That's what I'm saying. Because <laughs> you would have jumped out a window a long time ago. I wouldn't have made it. You know, I don't think anybody would have made it. And I think the scope for the kids is still rolling and ongoing. But I find... And I think that this is not a thought only to myself, that the last couple of weeks, 
we've just seen the like the irritability factor go to like the max, you know, like everybody's irritability dial is now at full tilt, basically. And we're using I mean, we've talked about this many a time that when our kids are irritable, it's anxiety or fear or sometimes hunger or sometimes really needing to go to the bathroom, that there are irritability is usually a behavior expressing an underlying need that's not being met. And it's true when we like snap at our spouses about where's the remote, right? I mean, it's the same thing. We all have underlying needs. Oh, there's a lot of needs not being met. And we've said this before, but I think it's worth underlining. Someone gave me this advice when my mom passed away. I'm one of four siblings. And she said, listen, for three months after a parent dies, everything is off the table with the siblings. Like nothing sticks, you know? You're not allowed to have a lifelong fight about anything that has happened within three months after your parent dying. Mm. Because the thing is, it's happening to all of you simultaneously. Usually, you know, it's like, oh, my sister is having a really hard time. She got fired from her job. We will rally around her. But when your parent dies, it's like the four of us are all in exactly the same situation and then trying to turn to each other in ways that just is not compatible. And that's now in a macro macrocosm of this whole worldwide phenomenon where it's like, I'm having a really hard time. And it's like, oh, really? Me too. We're all doing the exact same thing. It's happening to everybody. And so when your kids are trying to pour their stuff onto you, I'm like, my lifeboat's pretty full right now. I'm just trying to row myself out of this thing. You know, when you talk about grief, you brought this up when we were talking about this. You said, it's like the five stages of grief. I'm like, oh, it is like the five stages of grief. So I thought we'd talk about those. I looked them up and like talk about what they mean because they do apply to this situation that we, as you say, are all in together. All right. So in case you don't know what the five stages of grief are, this is Elizabeth Kubler-Ross is a psychiatrist. And in 1969, she wrote a book called On Death and Dying. And she described these stages of grief that have become pretty like etched in stone. Everybody's like, yep, this is it. This is how it goes. Yeah, this is the thing. Right. And I actually pulled a description of these from BetterHelp. I'm going to put the link on our show page or right where you're listening. You can swipe and tap and BetterHelp is one of our sponsors. And they explained these stages really well. And I didn't know this. There's an order to these stages of grief, but they said not everybody experiences the stages in the same order. I'm such an obliger. I thought you had to move through these stages in order. They're like, no, no, there is no order. Right. I thought so, too. I was like, there's one through five and you go. I know one's denial. One's acceptance. I know some of them. All right. Well, so we'll go through them. So the first one is, yeah, denial. This isn't happening. This isn't happening. Or it doesn't have to happen. Or the next one's anger. And the next one is bargaining, which this BetterHelp article says it's a common defense mechanism that causes people to believe they can somehow reverse the negative events by promising to do better in the future. Right. Then comes depression. Yep. And then comes acceptance. (laughs) So where are we, Amy? So where are we? So I feel like we started with bargaining, like kind of like, okay, we'll do this. And if we are all super good in two weeks, we'll be able to go back to school. Right. Right. And then we got to denial. Then we got to like, this is all a hoax. Like, but, but we started with, we will all be super, super good for like 10 whole minutes and sit here nicely. And then we can go home. Well, it's also a bizarre phenomenon because it is such a huge country that we live in. You know, my friend was talking about living in um, Denmark and she's like, yeah, I live in a country now. She's an American. And the person was asking, like, why do people always say, what state are you from? 
Like, why do people always be like, oh, I'm in, from New York. I'm from this. Right. And she's like, your whole country is the size of Rhode Island, right? Like, it's like being from Europe. There's a lot of difference between people from different places. Their food is different. Their culture is different. And so the states are so big that I think one of the things that's been so challenging is as New Yorkers, we were first waivers, right? We saw it. We did it. And now I feel like I'm watching... I have people in Texas, I have people in Florida who are now just getting the full wave. And it's like, they're just starting at denial. And I'm like, whoa, 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 because I've already gone. I've done the five stages, you know. But then you go back like it also isn't you move through these five stages and then you're done. You know, you can double back and do these steps again. They're just stages. I guess I thought there were steps. I guess I thought it was you start with one denial, get that over with as soon as possible and move to step five acceptance and then you don't feel sad anymore. Right. I think it's that not is a lot. Yeah, that's not how these work. And we're in different states are in different places in this process or ladder or whatever we're going to call it. Right. Like we are fully in, you know, acceptance in New York City. There's 10 hospitals in Central Park. And it's a very different place when the only ill effects so far that you've seen is your brother lost his job. It's a different situation. Right. And then the thing is literally going in waves. Like, so now in New York, we are at the bottom of the curve, but we may curve again. It's all just like, yeah, I think it feels very relentless and ongoing in a way that is crushing my spirit. I hope (laughs) some of you can identify with that. So Chris Hayes, he's a news guy. He said this on Twitter and he got like 70,000 likes just this week. So he said, I'm curious if other people have had something in them break the last few weeks where you realize normal or even a rough approximation of it is gone for a good long while. I feel like that's it. I don't know what stage that is. That's acceptance. It's got to be. Yeah. So that's good. (laughs) But I feel like the acceptance is a grumpy acceptance. It's not like I feel like the word acceptance makes you picture kind of. Skipping through a field like, yes, I accept this. It's fine now. But it's like a, I accept this. It's horrible. It's not a happy acceptance. I accept my fate. It's a gloomy cloud of acceptance. But I mean, it's not great. And I don't know. And I do think that there is even the cheeriest and sunniest among us, of which I do not count myself, to be clear, It's just like, I'm over it. This stinks. I don't want to do it anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. even the people who were the most like, we'll make it fun. Obstacle course in the yard, waving at our friends in the park, like new adventure are just like, no, no, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. And there are reasons I think this is particularly hard for us as parents, which is why I wanted to talk about this because we're holding in all of our kids feelings about it. We're holding together some semblance of certainty amidst complete uncertainty that everything's going to be fine when we don't always feel that way, that no, you don't have to be scared even when we feel scared. It's a lot for us to have to take on the anxiety and frustration and boredom and irritation of our littles when we need to work it out. And we're super, super stuck. We have talked, I think, on the Best Advice Ever podcast on that episode of the show. I said that one of the best pieces of advice, and I'm always remembered of it, is that my sister at some point when I was having a large 
breakdown and I need to start all over again and move to Guam and start a fishing village. I don't know, whatever, you know, just like having one of those moments. And it was midwinter. And she said, you know, you can never make a major life decision in February because you're just stuck inside with your kids and you're miserable and you just everything seems like a good idea except for being who you are in the situation that you're in. And my husband has been oft reminding me of that advice in terms of like, you can't make major life decisions <laughs> in quarantine because it's just one long February where you're like, I would be happy if this, if that, if that, uh, da, da, da. like you can't make any decisions. You just have to kind of slog through the brine because you don't even know what your life looks like, you know? And I find myself trying to be like, well, a year from now, I'm like, what? What is a year from now? I don't know. It's really, really, really hard. I was talking to a mom friend of mine last night, mom of four, and she was sort of like, okay, it's fine. It's summertime now. Okay, it's fine. We can handle this. But if we are back stuck inside where it's cold and dark in January, then I am just like, she will climb out of her skin. She's like, we're going to move somewhere else. I'm like, where would you move? And she was somewhere warmer. I'm like, like where? She's like, I don't know. So she's already, you know, that's how she's getting through yesterday is by putting her thumb down. Like if I will not be doing this six months from now, let me tell you. And it made her feel better. So I, maybe I shouldn't have been asking so many like, well, like where? And like, what do you mean? And like, what kind of schools do they have there? Yeah. Don't ask a follow-up question. Just let her mind go where it needs to go. But like, you're not wrong. Where are you going? How are the public schools in imaginary wonderland? Yeah. Because you really need to look into that. That's the thing, too. Like, often, okay, we're in a horrible situation. Maybe we could go down to, you know, Florida, where my dad lives in the wintertime for a week. Like, uh, there's nowhere to go. It's everywhere, you know? I mean, this is a tough nugget. It's a really tough nugget. And it seems to me, okay, so there's five stages of grief, right? There's also, like, 1,100 emotional states that we're in each day and we're like, you know, like a fan, a room fan oscillating from one to the other and not remaining in one stage for very often. It's sort of the best you can hope for, right? Like you are winning this time if you can not be really down for a whole day. Um, if you can have a good walk with your dog and a good conversation with your friend and find the bright spots in your day, that's winning right now. But we just have to pace ourselves a little differently, I guess. I guess. I'm even finding that like talking to friends is getting harder, not easier, right? Because yep. at first, we also talked about a couple of weeks ago, like regressive behavior, how it's showing up in our kids and in ourselves. We were all calling our junior high school camp friends, right? Like, <laughs> you're, oh God, the Zooms, they're like, oh my God, we used to know each other in the 80s. Woo! Right. We used to know each other. Oh, who cares? Yeah. And we got through a round of those. And now, like, even with close friends, like, oh, I really should call this person. But like, to what? Exchange tales of boredom and frustration? It's not easy. We can't help each other through this. And it's not fun to hear how other people are also stuck. Yeah. But all right. When we come back, let's talk about the particular sort of hards for this time as parents. Because I feel like sort of defining the problem will help us figure out how to make it a little better while where we are. I'll take it. I hope you're right. (laughs) All right. We'll be right back. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? 
Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby's skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. So did you read Deb Perelman? For the New York Times wrote an article called In the COVID-19 Economy, You Can Have a Kid or a Job, You Can't Have Both. Did you read this? It was one of those everywhere. I mean, I didn't. I saw it 8 million times on Facebook and I was like, thanks, Deb. I don't think I need any more depressing news. I'm all set. Thanks. I need this. So she said, I mean, it's interesting because that was her sort of thesis paragraph. She said, everybody agrees this is a catastrophe, but we are too tired to raise our voices above a groan. Every single person confesses burnout and despair, knowing in their guts that this is untenable. And she talks about it's the working parent thing. She was sort of moved to write this article. She lives in New York City and found out, one, that she was going to be required to be in the office full-time this fall, and two, that her kids were going to maybe be attending school one week out of three or not at all this fall. Both are true. So how can you do that? And she wasn't arguing that schools had to open because she's like, you know, if your school isn't opening, that's terrible news if you have a job that you've been ignoring for the last 110 days. And if your school is opening and you feel really profoundly uncertain that that's a good idea, like that's also bad news. There is no answer for us as parents that feels great right now about schools reopening or not. We just want somebody to tell us what's the right answer and that it will be safe. And that's not coming, that answer. Well, I think you've hit upon the crux of the whole problem. We want someone to tell us and nobody knows anything and nobody's telling us anything. And so I just think, I mean, in New York, 
Cuomo was pretty good about being like, here's the daily briefing. Here's that. And like he was throwing a lot of information because I think he understood that people are just hungry for information, you know? Right. It's reassuring. And I think there's just a ton of places where there's just no information coming at all. And I mean, every once in a while, something will come by my feed like, oh, yeah, there's this place we used to go in California, like a big casino kind of resort. Like it's like a Vegas in the desert in California kind of place. And a friend of mine who used to go there with me is like, you know, that's open and running right now. I'm like, Wait, what? I mean, I have been locked in my house for three and a half months, basically. And so the idea that people are still going to that place just seems crazy to me. Like, it just feels like everybody's doing it so differently. The one thing I would say to Deb, whose article I did not read, is I think there is a huge temptation to borrow trouble and that that is something that we should all try to resist as much as possible. It's the only thing helping me, which is like, how am I going to deal in two months when I have to go back to work and the kids maybe are going back to school? I get that you have to sort of put those pieces in place. I work from home. I'm not in as difficult a situation, but we have no idea what the landscape is going to look like in two months at all. You know, the only piece of advice I find myself giving people is if you're obsessing about like what in three months, then to the degree you have to make plans, I guess. But who knows what's going to happen? The one good thing we have going for us is like you can kind of only take this thing day by day. Well, I think what she's arguing is that you can't society, right? The New York City Board of Education, whoever's in charge, which is apparently nobody, right? You can't both say parents have to go back to work and kids can't go back to school. You can't say both of those things because who's going to take care of the kids? There's an implicit assumption in there that there already is a parent who stays home with the kids or that one of those parents is going to be willing to kick back, give up their career trajectory to stay home and guess which parent that's going to be. And a lot of working women, I think, are feeling like, okay, I could do this for six weeks. I could eke it out for three months. I can't do this for a year and a half. And yet it does seem like that's what's about to happen. And that's the outrage with nobody even directed at, right? Like I can't do this, but I am apparently being told to without any reassurance or clear information at all. I think that's a thing. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that's working on your side in that equation is that that is simultaneously happening to everybody. You know what I mean? Right. You're not the only person advocating for yourself in that situation in your workplace. Like everyone I know who's a working person, I mean, everybody's in the same boat there, at least, you know, it doesn't necessarily solve it. But yeah, except for like, you know, if you have a job where you're lucky enough to like, your job is your output. And as long as the output is happening at two o'clock in the morning, you know, that's untenable long term too. But at least you're not going to lose your job as opposed to you've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old and you need to go to your shifts at the factory. And it doesn't matter if schools are open or closed, the factories are open and you have to be there or you'll lose your job. Like it just doesn't seem possible that our society is saying like, okay, both are true and figure it out. Right. Because our society isn't really saying anything. Mm -hmm. Everybody is just saying their own thing. Some people are saying, hey, this is a bad situation and we're going to do everything to keep our employees safe. And some people are like, it's back open. Figure it out. We don't care. Mm -hmm. And so it just feels like, right, it's very anxiety producing. Like the dice is just rolling and you have to accept what you get. Right. And the, the middle ground 
just this week it came out that schools like, okay, we're going to have all classes online and certain grades of kids, sophomores and juniors one time, freshmen and seniors another time, can come, but you won't be allowed to have any fun. There's no parties and all your, you know, the dining halls are closed and all the classes are online. So it seems like a really bad idea. And by the way, it's still $50,000 tuition and too late to take a gap year. You were supposed to tell us before now you're going to take a gap year. And in order to take a gap year, you needed to come up with a really good reason why your kid was going to wait a year, even though every volunteer opportunity is unavailable. So we're all sitting here waiting to find out if our kids are going to go back to school in three weeks or six weeks, whatever your you know school schedule is where you live. And you're waiting for the news and there kind of is no good news, right? It isn't if they're keeping the kids home, that's not necessarily a bad idea. It might be. And if they're saying school's open and all the kids have to come, that's not necessarily a good idea. I think we've all learned now in the last couple of months, just because they say it's okay to do something now doesn't mean that it is. Right. It doesn't mean it's a good idea. And like, what are you wishing for? Right. I mean, my sister-in-law has a child who went back to daycare and they're really, really happy not to have a three-year-old as they're both trying to work at home all day, every day. But their exposure level is higher. You know, I have my dad's 85 and I see him usually once a week. And I keep thinking of that, right? Like, okay, so the kids go back to school. Does that mean we have to stop seeing him? It probably means we have to stop seeing him like face to face, only at social distance. Again, everything's just this series of bad trade-offs. And that's what I think is very mentally taxing, right? Like I want my kids to go back to school so badly. I can't. I'm like, I feel like I'm like going back to Shawshank. If we have to go back to that online learning where I'm trying to teach three kids all day for in the dark cold of winter, I'm like your friend. I'm going to unzip my skin and just make a run for it. I don't know. It's like we had an understanding that that was for two weeks and then three months. And (laughs) I made a deal. Right. And you cannot rewrite my contract now. Oh, yes, I can. Oh, God. And the last week was literally just like me playing Candy Crush on my phone and being like, did you do your work? And then being like, yeah. And then two days later, I would get an email from the teacher saying this one didn't do anything and this one didn't do anything. And guess what? This one didn't do anything. And Mm -hmm. I just we limped out of that so bad. And it just feels like. Don't drag me back there. Don't drag me back there. One of my kids had unfinished assignment for, you know, good reasons, had an assignment that they just didn't finish. And the teacher was okay with like, take the incomplete and no hard feelings or get the assignment done. And it was after another month that I had to contact this teacher and say, can we just take the incomplete? Because the other option was, well, there were several options. One was to drag it out for several more weeks of this teacher's summer, by the way. The other one was to have me just do it, which did not seem like the proper outcome, like, you know, for me to just write a sixth grade paper for them. I probably would have chosen that one. I thought about it. Then I'm like, let's just like, I think in this moment, we can all just give each other honesty. Like this work is not going to get done. And I think we need to just you know, wipe the blackboard. There's an old Dulux alert. I was going to say like, wipe the blackboard, but not with an eraser with like a wet cloth. Remember that? And then you got the blackboard nice and clean. Yeah. We have a lot of chalkboard paint in the house. I'm like the kind of crafter where like, if I fall in love with something, I do it. Like every (laughs) surface in my house is basically chalkboard paint because whatever chalkboard paint was hot, I just painted everything in it. So I spent a lot of time still with a wet rag, but you're right. It is an oldie locks alert. Back in my day. Here's what I'm going to say, because I feel like this episode has been unbelievably depressing so far because it's mostly just been me (laughs) trying not to cry as I talk about how horrible life is right now. No, no. The summer is not that bad for us. 
We have a crappy little backyard inflatable pool that the kids are somewhat enjoying. I'm allowing a lot of free time. Like we're kind of making a go of it. We're every day. We're like, what would be fun today? Make pizzas tonight. Let's try it. Like we're rolling and strolling in the summer. And so I feel like there is a level of acceptance that I have reached about okay, we're not going to be the Pinterest family that learns a new language in quarantine. We're just going to be the family that fights a lot and barely survives. And I've let myself off the hook on a ton of stuff. And that's going better. I will say, I'm just like, eh, we're going to roll through summer. Yeah. Not as bad as I thought. We are also getting out a little bit more. There's a little more human contact now that New York is, I don't know what phase we are in, maybe phase three or whatever. I'm not doing anything. I'm certainly not going to clubs. I was just about to say, like, I wasn't ever doing that in the last 10 years. Club mom. I'm not. I'm like, I mean, who? No, I'm not doing that. But I would consider we actually went traveling. So we're like back locked down again for another eight days or something. But when we're out of our new personal quarantine, I would consider like going to an outdoor restaurant with one other couple. I mean, I'm dancing back out a little, little, little bit. And what I'm trying not to do is borrow the trouble of fall right now, because fall is going to stink as far as I can tell. But there's not much I can do to prepare for it. What am I going to do? I'm going to just play it as it lays, right? Well, I mean, I'll take the other side of that because it's it's maybe hand-wringing, but it's like we could... I've seen this explained many different ways. If we did all agree as a society, we need schools open this fall, and schools open this fall is more important than bars and clubs and manicures. And so we're going to keep all that closed so that we all get to have schools open this fall. Every single person listening right now would have taken that trade off in a minute in April 1st. Right. But Amy, have you met America? It's not going to happen. Well, it's too late to happen now. Had it been presented as a trade off that I think we would have taken it, but now we can't make that trade off. Oh, listen, listen. Could we go back to March and change some things and make better choices? I think we all would. Nope, nothing at all. But this is where we are now. And therefore, like, I don't mind making a plan where my state, my county, my anybody says to me, guys, we're all doing this one thing to try to get to this goal line. I don't, I'm in, fine, whatever it is. But what I don't find useful is being like, what if we're doing this in the dark of January? Every time that thought starts rising up in me, I'm like, don't borrow trouble. I still feel like there's things we could be doing. These la- We have like six more weeks of summer in the East Coast. There's still things we could be doing that would change the outcome of what we're getting to do in six weeks. But like, it's just sort of been, all right. Oh, well, guess here we go. It's just, we're just going to ride this now. We're just going to ride it out. Everybody, do, okay, see you later, everybody. Like, we're just, we've given up. Right. I mean, people keep tweeting, right? It's like, this is the class project where you did all the work. Like, you stayed home, you did all the stuff, the other people are costing you. But, like, what would you say if your kids say it was like, oh, I did the project? Like, okay, it's not, it stinks. It's the worst feeling. But I don't know that, like, beating your head against it is getting us anywhere, you know? When we come back, let's talk about how we decide like what will work, what's okay to do when there's kind of nobody in charge. I hope you have some good suggestions, Amy. All right, we'll be right back. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. 
Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different Different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks. And now, the way that moms lose it from the What Fresh Hell podcast. The trying not to lose it, lose it. Okay, guys, let's all get in the car before mommy loses her temper. No, I didn't say punch your brother in the face repeatedly. I said get in the car. The am I talking to myself, lose it? Hello, whose shoes are these on the stairs? Hello, can anyone hear me? I asked someone to take these upstairs two days ago. Can anyone hear my voice right now? The company is over, but I'm still losing it. Lose it. Sweetheart, remember when we discussed how when Auntie Jane was here, I wanted you to keep your pants on the whole time. So why are you running around with no pants on? Auntie Jane looks pretty offended, don't you think? The ultimate trump card. Lose it. No, I'm not mad. I'm just very, very disappointed. The I will not curse in front of my children lose it. Oh, sugar snap these cups. Macking shiitake mushrooms. If you kids don't get in the car, I am going to fucking lose my snot on you. The oops, I lost it lose it. That's it. You are all in time out forever. No one is ever going anywhere ever again. You sit on the stairs and you stay there forever. This has been The Way That Moms Lose It from the What Fresh Hell podcast. Amy, we got to get out of this hole. Listen, we're just in a dark pit right now. Please tell me you have some good advice or some takeaways or perhaps a vaccine or a cure for coronavirus. 
Do you have any of those things? Yeah, guess what I have, you guys. Amy's been holding out. She's been making a spreadsheet and she has found it. During our home chemistry lessons, but I have a sort of personal epiphany I had this week that made me realize I had been getting daily, sometimes twice daily, urgent texts from my dentist telling me that it is time to schedule a cleaning, that I am overdue for a cleaning and I need to come in and so does my husband. And I, by the way, I had already taken my kids to their dentist because I got the same text about my kids. I'm an obliger. Have we talked about that? Like Gretchen Rubin has four types of people and I forget what the even the four are, but like I'm an obliger. You send me a like chain mail recipe thing. I will stop what I'm doing to forward it to 10 friends. <laughs> That's me. I'm her. So I'm getting these texts like, oh, okay, shoot. I put it on my, you know, to-do list because I'm an obliger. Like, okay, call the dentist and figure out when we can get that done. And then the Washington Post put out an article last weekend that I found so helpful. I'll put the link in the show notes. It was Dr. Fauci and then other, some other epidemiologists and health experts too. Like, here's what I'm doing. And it was such a breath of fresh air, like planes, yes or no. And they were like, yes, yes, no, maybe. And they all they each answered questions. Oh, I shared that article on the Facebook group. If you guys are looking for it, go to the Facebook group. It's so good. And so, and it was like dentists and they all were like, no, <laughs> don't go to the, like go to the dentist. If you have need a root canal, don't go to like nothing. No, like don't do anything. Don't go for your eye exam, your dental cleaning. Like, of course not. And I was like, but I was getting texts that told me I had to. Like, I'm such an obliger. I just want somebody to tell me what to do. I was going to listen to like the auto text from my dentist's office instead of the clear voice in my head. It reminds me of like many a time I've looked out the window at dark clouds and then like, well, it looks like rain, but this weather app on my phone in my hand says it's not going to rain. So I'm not going to believe my own eyes because the app says it's fine. You and my husband are the same person because he will literally look at his weather app and be like, it's not raining. And there are <laughs> droplets like bouncing off his face. And he's like, it says it's not supposed to rain. Like he cannot believe his phone when it tells him it's not supposed to rain. I catch myself doing that. And I was doing the same thing with this dentist thing. Like, okay, well, I guess I better do like, nope. it's definitely okay to say yes or no to the things that are most important to you. And of course, the other thing about this article is that most of the people in it were senior citizens. And so they were like planes are like, well, not for me. I'm 80 years old. So it depends. But there is a just showed me that I guess the epiphany of it was like, oh, dentist offices are open, but it doesn't mean it's a good idea. And it doesn't mean I have to go. And it's up to me to figure that out because nobody else is going to tell me that's not necessarily good news, but it made me feel better because I think part of the despair I'm having is like, why won't somebody just tell me what to do? Like not happening, not coming. Yeah, I think that's an interesting another five stages of grief from not only like there's five stages of grief around like losing your lifestyle. There's five stages of grief of being stuck with your kids all the time. There's five stages of grief of like nobody's coming to rescue you. Like, that <laughs> is just a mode that I think a lot of us have that you're kind of like, oh, right. That's not happening in this situation. Hmm, interesting. I will say here are the two things that are helping me the most right now in my full hitting the wall face. Okay. Uh, there's more than two. Number one, my husband said it the other day and it was like, bah, bah, that's what it is. He said, every single person that you're interacting with right now and for the foreseeable future, you are only interacting with their worst coping mechanism for most people. And I was like, oh, that's why it's so difficult. That's why like everybody has been 
like rubbed down and sharpened into like their most basic strategies for getting through the day. So like your passive aggressive friend is super passive aggressive. Your manipulative friend is super manipulative. Like everybody is just clinging to their coping strategies. It's kind of a big overall statement, but it really helped me to see things kind of differently. Like, oh, right. The reason everyone's annoying me so much is because I'm rubbed down to like no defenses and everyone else is rubbed down to like their sharpest selves, basically. And that's a really bad combination. And it's helped me have a little bit of grace going through the world of like, oh, right. Okay. That makes sense to me. This is crazy, but this reminds me of there's a neurological thing called allodynia. Do you know what this is? No. Allodynia is something you can get when you have migraines. And I have a family member with migraines. Allodynia is something that can happen when you have migraines in which things that shouldn't be painful to you are painful. And they're not usually painful, but they're painful when you're in this situation. Like when this person has a migraine, just touching the outside of their head. Hurts them. Hurts a lot. Brushing their hair will bring tears to their eyes. Like not allowed. It shouldn't be painful, but it is. And so when you were talking about like, you know, just being a little bit raw, it's like, right, these, you're both giving and receiving as somebody who's like, this shouldn't bother me right now, but it bothers me because everything bothers me. We're all in that mode and stuck inside together. Well, and I think it makes you stop trying to solve for it, you know? Like, oh, I just maybe have to have shorter conversations with people. Like you said, like maybe not 400 Zooms a week. Like, Everybody is sharp and I am sensitive. And so maybe that's just the way to look at the big picture and not make... And it makes me feel like a terrible person when I'm annoyed with people. And it makes... You know, it's conflict rife. And I'd rather just say, oh, there's a reason why this is happening. Let me stop it. The other thing that is helping me a tremendous amount... I've talked about it a lot, but I have finally genuinely started committing to it is reading books instead of doom scrolling on my phone. Like break the habit, guys. I'm talking to you from the other side. If you've listened to this podcast every week, I've been like, I've got to stop. I've got to stop. But I finally reached a point where I was, I'm not overstating this. I would get into bed at eight o'clock. Like I'm exhausted. I can't stand my family anymore. And I would scroll on my phone until 11 o'clock at night. So that is three hours. And then I would wake up at 630 and I would lie in bed and scroll my phone for two hours. So that's five hours a day before I'm even spending time during the day on my phone. And it was like poisoning me in a way that I didn't really even see until I made myself stop doing it. And I just Google like best page turner books. There are a lot of stupid books out there. I mean, I'm not reading, you know, history of the Crimean War. I'm reading like the lady who couldn't talk because she held a terrible secret about her husband's gold. Like, it's super stupid, but it's just my speed right now. Yeah, I needed to hear that. And that touches on a sort of soft place for me, which is like, I am a news junkie. I'm a super informed person. I always am. And when we had the daily news briefings, when Cuomo was on TV every day, I thought it was your civic duty to be as well-informed as you could about this moment to catch every bit of breaking news because it was changing so quickly. And at least in New York, the situation was so dire. And I think I did get a little bit trapped in that. The more I know about this, the safer I'll be, the better person I'll be, right? When uh, it probably definitely affects my parenting and my ability to be available for my spouse and my kids when I'm doom scrolling. And you have to do some of it, but you don't have to do all of it. And this like sharpness, softness thing, by the way, is everywhere. Like every Twitter thing is someone screaming at someone in the street. And it's just 
every there's so much sharpness everywhere on social media. I just feel like other than constantly monitoring what Fresh Hell podcasts on all of our social media platforms, guys, step away because there's not as much happiness as I thought in that like constantly feeding and it's very diminishing returns. Like it gives you less of the jolt and more of the emptiness every time and find a stupid book and read it. And this is the other thing I'm going to say, read it outside if you can. So the one other thing I've been forcing myself is whenever I sit down, I try to sit down somewhere outside. If it's raining, I find an overhang and I sit under that. And, you know, I just have chairs that are in different areas outside of my house. And every time I go to put my butt down, if it's inside and I'm not eating a meal, I walk outside because the fresh air and the sunshine is helping my mind. I found 12 Zen rules, like rules of Zen living that I thought were really applicable as takeaways. And would you believe number eight is devote time to sitting? Oh, but it should say devote time to sitting outside. Does it have outside? No, well, let's go through them and see how many of them we're doing. Okay. Do one thing at a time. No multitasking. That's number one. Hard for moms, but okay. I will accept it. Yeah. Do the thing that you're doing slowly and deliberately. I could do a much better job at this. Yeah. We were just talking about this last week. Your bad mom moments happen when you're rushing. I can take five more seconds to, you know, put my kids' shoes on, right? I'll take it. I agree. Do the thing you're doing completely. Oh, this is a big one. And I feel like... Uh, this is hard for me. I'm a very chaos person. Like everything I take off ends up in a different part of the floor. Like I am a agent of chaos. When I cook, it looks like the whole kitchen exploded. Like I use 46 bowls and leave them all half dirty. Like I am human chaos and finishing has become something that I put very high on my goals. Like if I clean the bedroom, I clean it until it's clean. Right. Not until it's half clean because then I just feel like I clean all day and nothing's ever clean, which is true. Yep. And my kids have that. They'll help in the kitchen. They've gotten much better over these last months, but they do sort of wander away when it's kind of like more than half done. It's kind of done. Like it's not done. Come back. Yep. Right. There's a difference. Done, done, done. Number four is do less. Mm, does apply right now? I don't know. I think it does because you go sit outside and you're not scrolling on your phone as much. Like I am trying to get more discreet about the number of things I get done in a day. It's not the total. It's how thoroughly I did the four things I did. I'll accept it. Put space between things. I'm not sure what that means. Like mental space, physical space, or both? I would like to put space between myself and all the members. I would like to put six feet between <laughs> each member of the community that I meet. I would like to put 16 <laughs> miles between myself and every member of my family. But that might be different. That one I'm signing up for. Next is develop rituals. Yeah. You're a whiteboard person. I think that's whiteboardy. I'm a whiteboard person. And the other thing I have found in my time of quarantine, because I'm not a natural exerciser, is that I exercise every other day, no matter what. Mm -hmm. Helps me. Mm -hmm. Also, it helps me feel like one of my days is a day off, which I like that feeling. That's why I like the Zoom exercise where it's like my yoga class that I like to take or my sister-in-law teaches classes. Like it's time. I did my sister-in-law's exercise class at 6.30 a.m. yesterday, not because I wanted to, but because it was 6.30 a.m. and I told her I was going to do it. And so I had to show up. It was different than pulling it up. I believe in that. And it goes with number seven, designate time for certain things. And that's the thing. Like, yeah. Otherwise, again, the story can easily become like, I just give and give and give and no one, everyone hates me. Da, da, da. Take your time. Yeah. You're allowed that time, even if your kids are little, to have an hour to go. Oh, number nine, smile and serve others. Do I have to? <laughs> Do I have to? Well, you're already doing the serving others. So you might as well be happy while you're doing it because you're doing it anyway. Oh, I'm not in the right mood for that piece of advice right now. Zen mom would say, make cooking and cleaning become meditation. 
I managed to do this yesterday. I made lunch yesterday and I sent my family like outside, like you guys go outside, come back in an hour and I'll make lunch. And I actually like made like recipes and it was, I made like a beautiful lunch and I enjoyed the time by myself. And I am not somebody who enjoys cooking, but I managed to enjoy it yesterday. I think because I was alone. One thing I've really started doing is playing a lot of music in the house, which I don't always do, Mm. but I've like purposely set up speakers all over and I try to have music going a lot. That helps just helps you get through the day. It's a little jollier than sitting there like making lasagna by yourself while you just curse humanity in your mind. (laughs) Sometimes a little Billy Joel just helps a little more. While you number 11 think about what is necessary. Yeah, I don't know that I'm getting into the meditative stuff right now. It just feels like I'm barely keeping my head above water. Maybe I could think about it. I think it means less is necessary than you think. Like if your family is safe and with you, And healthy and well-fed, which are not things to take for granted. But if you have those things, those things are necessary. And the ballet recital, maybe not so much. Yeah. I mean, we've said this on other episodes. And one thing is, it is important to retain what we have learned during this time, which is the many things that we think are absolutely necessary are not. And as we hopefully someday return to life, those are good things to keep in mind. What is necessary? Yeah. Interesting. And we'll live more simply. That's the last one. Live simply. We're doing that. We're living simply, right? We're, we're all doing less and uh, it's going to be for a while. So now that we've hit the wall, let's just sit here. Let's just sit outside against the wall. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> We want to know if anything is helping you as you hit the wall. Are there strategies? Are there Zen moments? Are there anything that's making it better for you? And you can tell us at facebook.com forward slash what fresh hellcast. Come join the group and come join the conversation. I will say that is one thing that I've been very encouraged by. In a time of sharpness, everyone on the What Fresh Hell podcast group is just helping each other out with nice information and not being jerks about it. And yeah, my hat is off to you. Yep. And it's not all coronavirus all the time either, right? People are helping each other out with much more. Oh, no, it's not. And there's some laughs. There's some much needed laughs. And we're also on Instagram at What Fresh Hellcast. We're on Twitter at WFH Podcast. We're on Pinterest at What Fresh Hellcast. And I'm going to put the links to the articles we discussed today up on our website, which is WhatFreshHellPodcast.com. And guys, hang in there. We're going to make it one way or another. And we will be back to talk to you more next week. So long, everybody. Thanks, guys. Stay well. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. 
On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.